Sheila Patinkin is not only Max Patinkin's mom, she's also the founder and managing director of Vermont Wagyu, probably the best source of beef anywhere in the U.S. They are the ones who provide Gramercy Tavern with their beef products. Uh, but with Corona and the closing of restaurants, they're scrambling to find other ways of keeping their business alive and getting people connected to the farms from which their food comes. The following conversations, fascinating. Uh, the way that a former pediatrician and geneticist became the founder of a cow farm up in Vermont. And so I think that you'll enjoy hearing her story and stay safe out there. Quarantine is coming if it's not already there. So don't let anybody cough on you and enjoy this episode of Corona Convos. Music as always from my friend Matthias DeWild. Hello. Hello, is this Sheila? It is. Sheila, is so it? It's funny, I asked Matt, <laughs> I said, what happens if he uses a real name? I'm not going to recognize it. And Max said, oh, he'll just use CK, he's CK. I, I so don't... guess what it came up as. What it, would it come up as? Clinton something with a K. Clint, Clinton Kenneth Sweat, which is, which is my full name. That's, what, that's where CK comes from. Ah, so I figured it out when you called, but that's neither here nor there. So, um, so yes, so I am the, the owner of Vermont Wagyu, or I guess I should say the managing member. And how did you get to know Max? I got, I got to know Max through the other Max, through Max Rose. Max Rose. Okay. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Your your son was instrumental in flipping New York Eleven uh, from Republican to Democrat. It was a very impressive performance, especially considering he did the majority of it remotely out in California. That that did not make it any easier. Well, I'm his mom. Don't you think I've told everybody this? <laughs> <laughs> it, he he really it, he did it with so much elan and panache as well. It, it, he, you know, look the you know it as well as I do. But the the, the team there supporting Max was uh, first and foremost uh, your son Max Patinkin and uh, Dan Ricciardi, and you know Dan did it with kind of that hard-nosed Brooklyn sensibility, and I don't know how Max became such a laid-back Californian in, what, like two years? It just He just kind of had a surfer cool the entire time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, he's always been like that, though. I mean, so consider me impressed. Oh, well... Thank you. Yes, but as his mom, I'll take the, I'll take the thanks. <laughs> and, and, and as his mom, what do you think about his recent kind of rumbuspringa? I can't pronounce that word correctly, but he he, he just seemed to you know tune out tune tune out and drop out. Like uh, it was pretty impressive. You mean his taking some time off right now? Yeah, I, I love it. Yeah, I think he's just considering a lot of options, from what I understand, and just trying to make some good decisions down the road and choose the right path for him and taking his time doing it, which um, is something my generation certainly never thought about doing. It was always, you know, you got to, you got to know what the next thing is. Don't, don't, 
turn down, don't step down from what you're doing until you know what your next step is. And that's so unlike what his generation is all about. So I think the way um, that he conducted himself was so impressive. You know, I mean, he just, he kind of, he didn't get sucked back into a world that he wasn't interested in doing. He really seemed to follow his heart. And I think there's a lot of lessons in that, especially as we face the most recent uh, crisis to envelop the entire world. Yes. Yes. So Max has really, really stepped up to the plate here. Um, Both he came out about a week or two ago and really tried to help me sort through the farm and we have so many directions that we're going in here and try to make sense of what it is that we do best and how we wanted to focus. And then of course this whole coronavirus thing hit and um, has really made us rethink a lot of things yet again. So, um, but again, we've been working late at night on the phone, in emails, talking with a a marketing group that's been helping us out a bit and um, just working Nonstop for the, about the last, oh, I would say late last week, we just started to realize we needed to jump, jump up and um, get going with our message, which was that we could ship meat safely and help you stock up and eat well at home without going out and reconnect with the farmer. So we've been going heavily with that for the last two, two or three days once we got the wording down and got stepped up with what we needed to do to get it out there. Well, I mean, it's it's going to be more important than ever, this idea of delivering food safely uh, across the country. And I know that uh, our mutual friend, Joe, I can't I can never pronounce his last name. How do you pronounce good-looking Joe's last name? Joe Rigidis? 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 No, the... Dan Rigidian. So, yeah, there's Richie, there's Dan Ricciardi, but Joe is one of the other guys on the campaign. And I just got off the phone with him, and he said that, you know, I have, I have some of uh, Sheila's Wagyu beef in my freezer right now. And so I know if the zombie apocalypse hits Manhattan, I'm, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to have protein for, yes. for, for weeks, if not months. Well, don't quote me, but I think it's Regattas. We're goddess. Okay. I, you know, I look at it all the time. And as a fledgling, aspiring, failing podcaster, I need to get better at my pronunciation. But um, he and I spoke for half an hour this afternoon. And when I said that you and I were going to be jumping on a call, he just, I mean, I could, I could hear his smile through the phone. And he's like, that's so cool. I, her, her, her product is incredible. And, I, and he really was thankful. Um, that uh, that he he has he has your protein in his freezer. Well, that's great. I, I think those guys have been incredibly supportive, also. So um, they've been telling family, friends, and and the orders have gone up that way as well. Um, but yes, I do think we have some incredible meat, and, and we hear that comment a lot when, and it always amazes me when we hear it. But I'll do a tasting, and people will say, "Oh my God!" After the first bite, they'll say. That was the best beef I've ever tasted. And it's not just like, oh, well, that was really good or, wow, this is nice. It's like, oh, my God, that's the best beef I've ever tasted. And I hear that over and over and over again. Um, And you know what? I mean, I have to ask, and I really do process and digest stories in kind of a long-form chunk and how, how did you get into this? How, how did you how did you become the managing partner of a Wagyu beef 
farm in Vermont? Well, I'm from Vermont. I went to high school two miles down the road from this farm. So I'm a Springfield, Vermont girl who went off to college and eventually married a Chicago guy. I became a, I became a pediatrician. And when my kids had grown up and were just just stepping out the door and to other places in the country, I lost my husband, their dad. Mm-hmm. And I thought about, well, maybe I'll find a little farm or a little spot right near my fam- my siblings and my mom and dad. And I did. And as it turned out, it's right where I went to high school. And the rest is kind of history. I had to figure out what to do with this 1790s farmhouse that had fields that were really in bad shape. And the way to really revitalize soil is really to put animals on them. The next step was what kind of animals. Had a cousin in Montana who was raising Wagyu, and he convinced me this is a really nice niche animal for the beef world. And I know a little bit about cows. My husband's family has a, a farm in Galena, Illinois, so I've been around them a lot. We had farms, we had cows growing up on our tiny farm here in Springfield, Vermont, and. So I started out with 20 embryos. From those, I got 10 Wagyu calves. Um, We figured that maybe Wagyu would be a nice little niche product for New York City at the time. This was back in 2007, 2008. Oh, so right prior to the, the financial crisis, too. Right, right. And Wagyu kind of moved right through that crisis without really being hit because... Interesting. They were a new product in the United States. They were an animal that had beef like no other beef in the country or in the world for that matter. And um, I think that really helped it survive and and it's just grown steadily here. Uh, I think the big thing with Wagyu that people don't realize is just its ability to grade beyond prime and really produce some of the best tasting well-marbled beef around that's way beyond what standard beef. Standard beef in this country might make it to prime about 6% of the time. That's a very low percentage. Yes. Our Wagyu beef makes it beyond prime 100% of the time. That's an incredible hit rate. That's right. And you can see it just, you know, just by looking at the photos on our website. If you look at the the ribeyes there, there's nothing that compares to that with standardized beef in this country. We are having an impact as a breed on the rest of the of the U.S. in terms of the crossed Wagyu is, is infiltrating out into the other breeds and bringing up the standard of the quality of beef throughout the country. And so it's only a matter of time before Wagyu has become a major influence in all breeds. And, you know, I'm, I, as sort of setting a baseline, um, if, if you can think back, like, what was a typical day exactly a year ago? You know, so if, if you were to, it's St. Patrick's Day 2019, you know, what do you, like, you wake up and, and what does your day look like? Oh, let's see, at this time of year, we're thinking about getting those St. Patrick's Day promotions out because we'd started our e-commerce just barely back then. But it was a much slower pace. We hadn't, we didn't have the the email list that we have now, the number of customers. So it was slow. It was gradual. It was a new thing that we were trying out. Um, At that time of year, I wear a bunch of different hats. So I'm probably getting up, making my coffee, going out, walking some fence lines, looking for any new calves 
although it's a little early for that. Um, and just checking out the farm in general first thing in the morning, meeting with the guys, getting a day's plan. Then going back in um, on a Tuesday morning, we usually ship out on Tuesdays, so we'd be getting ready to make any shipments, trying to get it done before the UPS guy pulls up to the farm, and uh, going on from there. Again, my job these days is mostly in the office. It's only at the very beginning of the day and at the end of the day that I get out to tend some time with, have some time with the cows. Um, so a year ago, it would have been more focused on that. It might have been thinking about getting a shipment down to Gramercy Tavern in New York City. Um, of course. Which is, we deliver down there on, um, on Wednesdays, typically. So we'd be communicating with the packing house, getting that shipment ready, getting the truck ready to go down. And... Um, <clears throat> So that's something else we would be doing typically on a, on a Tuesday a year ago. So I think the next question you're going to ask is... Exactly. What's your day like? <laughs> yes. So as of, um, as of Sunday night when I got word back from Gramercy Tavern that they were closed, yeah. that really shut down about what would have been 80% of our sales last year and Oof. what was expected to be about 50, well, not just Gramercy, but all restaurants. Yeah and probably closer to 50% this year, um, a little less if, it's, if you're just looking at restaurant business. And we had hoped to steadily increase our e-commerce business, steadily increase our local business up here and some of the butcher shops that we sell to. So, <clears throat> again, we were on a track of maybe not um, of trying to shift away from the restaurant business. That said, it's pretty dramatic when all of a sudden that just that door closes. And so, so that's so, where we are today. And so, like, what step by step do you have to do? I mean, like, like, where do you even start that process on Sunday? Uh, you know, I, you, you said that your son came in and was able to be, um, you know, incredibly helpful. But what does that help look like? Well, again, we just started looking at all our products that we have on hand. Again, we're a farm, so farms. You know, it's not like we're having cows walk up to be ready to be harvested and go out the door instantly. So we can, what it looks like now, and the things we started is, do we slow down the process of our cows going to be harvested? Or do we keep going and boost up, <clears throat> excuse me, the supply chain everywhere else? And I think that's really what we're trying to do, is we're trying to boost up the supply chain everywhere else and start working on, Again, we started scrambling on emails and promotions, what kind of packages we could put together, um, changing our website around so that we could extend our shipping. By no Normally, we only ship on Tuesdays. Again, we're a small farm. We're not a massive packing house. So we, were, we thought about, okay, we've got to get more product out. We've got product um, that was going to go down to New York City. Immediately, I had to call the packing house and say, don't prepare that for Gramercy Tavern. Prepare it for us, for the farm. So, uh, so that's that's where we're at now. We've got a lot of product here at the farm, and we're trying to find places for it. And there are people that need it. So, and that's the other nice part about what we're doing. I think it's a safer thing for us to be doing to supply it that way, certainly, than to be able to to, to be supplying it to restaurants at this moment. Yeah, so, to, to take out the middleman of places where people convene and just get it right into into folks' homes, um, and so they can you know be making 
meals for their families. Right, right. But I can imagine so that, that, that in terms of, you know, again, I'm not an expert when it comes to these sorts of things. It just made your life so much simple when you had the majority of your distribution um, channeled down to New York City. And you, you the, I'm guessing a challenge now is just figuring out new distribution networks. Right, right, everywhere. I think it's, again, you're just... Um, we immediately called our marketing people that handle our, our Google spends in terms of how we're going to reach people out there. And we immediately said, we need to turn this, this faucet up. So again, you're spot on when you say you've got to find other channels. You've got to figure out how to reach people, how to get the word out to hit www.shopvermontwagyu.com. Uh, so again, it's all in messaging. It's all in letting people know we're here, trying to build our email list overnight. And, and hope that our message gets out there, that we have some of the best award-winning beef in the country. And, you know, I'm, this is where I'm kind of at a loss. Is it, is it just individual people now at home saying, hey, I'm going to order this? And uh, what, did your, what did your marketing folks say that the best way to get this out? Is it, is it just through traditional internet advertising or is it word of mouth? Um, I'm, I'm so curious. Well, all of that. I mean, when you start, you, you've got the email last list of all your friends and family. And then you've got Google ads, which, you know, you hope people will see your website and see these ads and see your Instagram feed, et cetera, and say, hey, that looks like a really interesting product to try out. That said, the food world is very fickle and certainly the luxury high-end food world. And these people that see our product need to be convinced. They need to see that we've won award after award after award, that we are a small farm, that we put out an incredibly high-end, beautifully tasting meat. Um, So all of that, it's a matter of convincing these people to make those conversions from just looking at your website or hearing about you to actually clicking and saying, okay, we're going to give this a try. And, you know, I, I would never want to presuppose that uh, this is the way relationships work. But is there any scenario where Danny Meyer um, says, hey, you know, we're going to let our Gramercy Tavern folks know um, that though our doors may be closed, you know, this is where we're this is where we're getting our meat. This is where we're getting our fish. And, and we're hoping that, you know, it could be a month, two months, three months before we open it, be, we're able to open our doors again, but we're hoping that our, our you know, diners, you know, the people that come to Gramercy Tavern, you know, are still having access um, to the incredible products. Or I- I- am I missing something why he would not be incentivized to do that? Well, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about it that way, but I have been in touch with Chef Michael Anthony from Gramercy. And we've touched base a little bit. I've reached out. I know he's quite concerned about his employees from his end. So I think they're, you know, again, I don't know Danny Meyer personally, but I do know Chef Michael Anthony. And I know he's very, very concerned about his employees. We reached out right away and said, look, we can keep some of your guys busy up here at the farm. Um, That's in our best interest to help you guys out as best we can. We can feed them for a while, certainly. We can put a roof over their heads. Um, and we can give them some fences to walk and, and help us just 
remove brush from them right now. We're in that process of our, of our season. So we've been chatting about that a little bit back and forth. I think they're overwhelmed right now. Yes, they're trying to figure sure. out how to survive. And us likewise, uh, you know, I think that's a good point. Um, but I think that's where we all are in this country right now is in a survival mode. Um, I think, again, the message that we'd like to get is this is an opportunity, albeit a sad one, but it, it is an opportunity to get to know your farmer directly. Um, don't go to the don't go to the grocery stores where you're going to mingle with everybody. Try to, you know, buy safe, stay safe. Um, it, it's an opportunity to come to the farm that's outdoors. So um, and so few people know their farmer. Um, or if they buy from a distributor who says they buy from the farmer, they still don't really know their farmer. Um, but this way they can reach out directly to us, either you know, coming by locally at the farm or ordering directly, reaching out to us on the phone. Again, it's all about www.shopvermontwagyu.com. So I can't get that out enough. <laughs> no, you certainly cannot. And I'm going to put that in the show notes. Um, you know, and one other thing, I just I'm curious to know about your marketing. You know, you have a background uh, as a pediatrician, and there's so many people that are having these. Um, health concerns you know they're, they're, they're terrified and I'm wondering if you're weaving your personal story at all into this messaging being like like look um, you know quarantine is so important and if I still had on my stethoscope and my my doctor's jacket my lab jacket um, you know I'd be telling you to stay inside and and we're offering an opportunity oh, you the most important part the most important part about staying healthy is wash your hands Oh, I think it, yeah. all the time, all the patients that I saw, you know, I think that I stayed pretty healthy throughout all those years, um, mainly because you just have to remember to wash your hands all the time. So that would be the biggest message. It, it, but I guess I'm curious to know if, if you're going to be able to, to integrate that at all into um, the sort of narrative of your, of your food product. And in saying, hey, you know, the, the person that is behind, um, you know, this incredible beef is a former pediatrician. I, I, I you know, I'm just kind of spitballing here with you on the phone, but um, I, I could see people, you know, certain folks that are just grasping for um, some peace of mind, uh, latching onto that and, and that encouraging them even more so to, to get your product. We do talk quite a bit about my background in genetics and, and that being in pediatric genetics in particular. Uh, I did some research during my years both in med school and as a pediatrician uh, doing some research. And we talk about that more along the lines of our livestock, which is the other hat that I wear. Um, we sell some of the top genetics in terms of this breed in the country. I'm on the board of the American Wagyu Association, so that gives me a way of learning a lot of the other, knowing a lot of the other breeders around the country. And our genetics are, are older at this point, even though it's a, you know, to me, 12, 14 years is, is not that long a time period. It is in the world of Wagyu, and we've got some genetics that are really amazing, our, our our animals do better, I think, than many of the other, outperform many of the other um, Wagyu animals in the country in terms of both growth and marbling. So we, we do talk about that a little bit in our story, 
Um, and in terms of the food itself, again, Wagyu is all about how well they marble, how far beyond prime can you take them in terms of palatability, taste, flavor. And all of that, I think, is it's just a meticulous care with which we take care of these animals yeah. and we watch how we breed them. That's probably the most important point right there. It's We are meticulous. We do take incredible care of this livestock. And I think it shows in, in the product that we produce. You know, and just for folks stuck in quarantine, they can't, especially in New York, where they can't go to a trusted restaurant and outsource um, the the quality of their food to, you know, really high-end chefs. Um, you know, I live across the street from uh, Lilia, uh, the Italian place in Brooklyn, and, and I know how um, devastated that whole staff is uh, by the shutdown of both them and, and Missy. And when I ate there, I just knew I was getting the best possible products. And I think it's going to be incumbent upon all of us as we're uh, stuck in our apartments, stuck in our homes to think through, as you were mentioning earlier, the relationship with our farmers um, and, and getting to know where our food is coming from. And I, I see that as, you know, and, and maybe one of the silver linings in all this, um, all this damage that's being done to the economy and people's, people's lives is that we'll come out of it with a greater awareness of a lot of things, including where our food comes from. And, and hopefully, um, you know, you guys will be really well positioned um, to be to be leaders in that because just the superior quality of your beef. Well, I hope so. I mean, my our concern has always been that, that there is such a low. I think the statistic is that about two percent of people in cities have ever even visited a farm that know what happens on a farm that know knows what grows there and um, again taking care of animals have been around a cow. Um, it, and it's such a frighteningly low fat, that 2%. Um, and again, this is an opportunity for people to understand farmers and, and realize the important part that they play in everybody's everyday life. Um, so, so again, that is a message that we're, we would like to try to get out there. Know your farmer. It's important. Um, and don't just buy from, again, grocery stores are important, they're convenient, they're there, but know, know where it comes from. And if you buy just from the grocery store right now and you forget about the farmer, then the farmer isn't going to be able to supply that grocery store. So there's a potential with all this crisis for some real bottlenecks to occur, yeah. especially with the restaurants closing down. It's and that's terrifying. one of my fear. I mean, I think the stories you hear right now with, you know, that the banks are going to supply loans and the government's going to give out loans. You know, loans aren't going to do much good if you're, you've got people that need to, need to be fed right now. You've got employees that need to be fed right now. And if you're going to wait six months to get a loan, we may not have our doors open anymore no. by that time. I mean, let's hope not. Um, I've taken up enough of your time. I really appreciate you talking to me today. Um, you know, I'm really trying to delve into all the different realms out there affected by uh, Corona. And um, not only am I sending you my best wishes, but I look forward to jumping online here and ordering some meat myself as I'm stuck inside cooking with me and my and my girlfriend. Um, so. <laughs> Well, great, CK. Yeah, <laughs> Just thank you. We'd love to have you as a customer. I appreciate your reaching out to us. I really want to get this message out there. People need to know their farmer. 
and that's so important. And also they need to know that we have some of the best beef in the world. I, I, I don't doubt it. Um, so be safe. Um, keep making great, great products. And um, I look forward to, to having some of it in my mouth soon. Uh, getting all sorts of messages and phones ringing all over the place. Uh, all right, I can't uh, seem to get away from it, CK. Uh, 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 <laughs> Sheila, I'll let you go. Take care. All righty. Yeah, thank you. Bye-bye.